we've done this before. Welcome in, everyone. It's the lawyer you know, and we've got Pete Sardis with us because we are talking Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. We have a verdict finally after months of trials and days of jury deliberation. We are here to discuss quite an interesting and unusual verdict, right? I mean, we've seen a lot of verdicts in our time. We've seen a lot of verdicts in the media in recent days, weeks, and months and years. And this one is very unusual. It has a little bit of everything. We've got some guilty. We've got some not guilty. Mm -hmm. We've got some deadlock. We're going to talk about all of it. We're going to talk about why we think that she was guilty on some and not others, what those hung jury counts mean for the future. Um, But if you guys have followed us through and followed Pete through this Elizabeth Holmes trial and this Theranos trial, it's kind of all culminated to this. We're going to do more talking about appeal and stuff that happens after the verdict. Mm -hmm. But make sure you give us a like on this video and continue to subscribe to our channel for future videos and letting us know what case you want Pete to tackle next because when this one kind of winds down, he's going to have the next case that he's going to dive into and give his analysis and breakdown and summaries of. But now that we're here, Pete, tell us what this verdict means. Go ahead, tell us what the verdict is. Because some right. people watching may not have seen exactly what the verdict is. So let's start with what the verdict is, and then yeah. we'll get to what it means. Okay, this is the quintessential split the baby verdict. And I don't think I've ever seen something as as as, as a little cookie cutter as this. So what did they do? The jury found her guilty of one count of conspiracy and three what we call substantive counts of fraud, of wire fraud. They found her not guilty of one count of conspiracy and three counts of wire fraud, and they were hung, meaning they couldn't reach a verdict unanimously on three additional counts. So out of 11, she's guilty of four counts, not guilty of four counts, and hung jury on three. Okay, so why... Why, what, what's different about the charges in the indictment that would make her guilty of some, not guilty of others, and would deadlock the jury? You know, that, that's a great question. Um, the, the, the counts are pretty much well uh, spread out. What it was is there is a substantive fraud count for the physicians. There are counts for the, um, the, the, the patients, and there are also counts for the investors, and there are various counts based on you know the details. Conspiracy, meaning that she agreed to, uh, she entered into an agreement to do something illegal. There are two counts of those. They're pretty well matched up. It really doesn't have a lot of breakdown. The question is, you know, who was she conspiring with and for, and for what purposes? But it really, the verdict is just, it's just so odd because we've done a lot of criminal trials and you see you know, with multiple counts and it's very rare that a jury comes back with this type of breakdown. Normally when you're guilty, you're guilty. And the jury just, it's like a, uh, you know, a storm. They just find you guilty of one and it just kind of flows down the other. Or if they find you not guilty, they just decide you're not guilty. And it's the exact same way. But to have a cookie cutter, you know, guilty on one set of counts not guilty on almost the identical set of counts and then hung on three substantive counts. Just really weird. It's like they just went back and like, forget it. Let's just put the baby and call it a day. Which is very strange. The fact that they mm-hmm. couldn't come up with a verdict for three of the counts. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about the fact that some of the big ones or two mm-hmm. of the big ones were conspiracy to commit fraud against investors and against patients. Right. And they found her guilty of conspiracy to commit fraud against the investors, but not, but not guilty against the patients. So talk right. a little bit about that, especially knowing that the jury asked to re-review 
some of her recordings and her pitches to investor, that's something they reviewed during their deliberations. Right. And to be more clear, when we talk about conspiracy, conspiracy is a one or a two or more people entering into an agreement to do something illegal. So what the jury has determined was that Elizabeth Holmes conspired with someone else in order to defraud the investors. And, and you're right, a, a few days back, the uh, the jury pool wanted to the sorry the jury wanted to hear the uh, audio recording of that Texas group uh, that actually had had recorded her pitch to them. So you know they spent a little bit of time reviewing that, and I, you remember the couple of videos back we talked about it. Elizabeth Holmes was in the courtroom when the video got played and the audio was played, and she was trying really hard to make eye contact. And I'm sure that her lawyers uh, told her that if the jury makes eye contact with you, that means you're ascribing to your version uh, you know, of events. That's a good thing, and that jury did not reciprocate that eye contact with her at all. So it kind of makes sense why they would find her guilty of conspiracy of this now. In regards to patients, you know, I can understand why, from a jury's perspective, they would make a decision that she didn't intend to defraud the patients themselves. But, you know, just a, a very yeah, odd... I well, I think that what's interesting about that and potentially could come through on sentencing is the fact that she defrauded for money, which is bad, right? And that's why it carries, what, 20 years or something with it. Um, it's bad. You shouldn't defraud investors for just money. But I think defrauding the patients would have potentially made everybody look at her even worse, including the judge, and maybe harsher penalties would come with mm -hmm. if she was um, convicted of conspiracy to, to defraud the patients. See, interestingly enough, we're going to find out how she's going to score because even though she's not guilty on four counts, there's a hung jury on three. And the prosecution is probably going to make a decision in the next day or so about whether they want to just abandon those counts because they can use that as called relevant conduct to score and to sentence her on the counts that she's guilty on. So at the end of the day, I don't even know if they need to redo this. They, they've got enough uh, at this point conviction points to really put her away for a while. So let's talk a little bit about some of the nuance of the guilty verdicts versus the not guilty um, verdicts. So when we talk about the wire fraud, she was guilty of three specific transfers of 5.9 million, 99.9 million, 38 million, and then not guilty on 1.1 million and undecided on 99,000, 5.3 million and 4.8 million. Very weird that they would pick out the yeah. individual transfers. Does that indicate to you that they didn't understand what was going on? Or do you think this is just another piece of evidence that they're splitting the baby? I think they're splitting the baby. And the reason I say it is, again, each one of these transactions, all these investments, there was evidence. They, the government put on 29 specific witnesses. Of those 29 witnesses, there's a number of them that are specific investors that went in here and they specifically testified to how they invested their money, how much money they put in there, and why they made the decision to invest. So I did this point. But at this point, I think they just, they've been back there for six days and they're just tired of it. They've been deliberating for six days. They've been together for 13 weeks before that. And I think they just want to get back to their lives. So they're like, yeah, guilty on these, not guilty on these. Let's go home. Especially, and then the other yeah, especially since they came back in front of the judge today and said, hey, we're hung on three counts. What do you want us to do? Right, and the judge sent them away multiple times to try to get a verdict, and they kept coming back deadlocked on those three, which is really weird. It just seems like they did not know what to do with those three mm -hmm. from the jump. 
Um, another uh, not guilty verdict was in the wire fraud in connection with the patient's lab blood test results. So again, another count dealing directly with the patients that she comes back with a not guilty verdict on. Mm -hmm. So um, first, let's quickly go through what happens with the three count, I'm sorry, the four counts that she was found not guilty for. Um, what happens with those? What can the government do? Let's talk about that now. All right. They can't do anything uh, because of something called double jeopardy. Once you have been tried for a, uh, a specific crime and found not guilty, the government cannot come back to retry her on those counts. She's not guilty. And specifically, she cannot be held liable for the conduct of those not guilty counts because a jury has made a decision that she is not, that the government has not met their burden and she's not guilty of those counts. So from so, her perspective, that saves her a bunch of heartache. Right. And it saves her some uh, potential penalties and things like that. And that ca they can't use that when you're talking about the other conduct that mm -hmm. could potentially come into play in sentencing. They can't use any of those factors or those actions that were taken under those right. counts. And um, she's not uh, going to be held liable for the criminal restitution for those um, counts, but they could still, she could still be sued civilly for them. So I think that's something that's interesting with those counts as well. Um, uh, so basically those are over. There's no decision to be made by the government on those not guilty mm -hmm. counts. So, um, so we can kind of bypass those. If people have questions about those not guilty counts, let us know in the chat and we'll get to them eventually. So the next set, um, of verdicts we'll get to is the four guilty verdicts. What decisions does Elizabeth Holmes and her team have about those four verdicts and what type of sentence is she looking at? All right. Each one of these has a $250,000 fine and a possible statutory maximum sentence of 20 years. Now let's be clear. I haven't sat down now that we actually know what she's guilty of to do a guidelines calculation. And what I mean by that is in the federal system, there is a, a way that you score someone for purposes of sentencing and they use the sentencing guidelines. And what will happen is um, you sit down and kind of take the money and you add up, you know, the specific conduct and the, the number of potential victims and all those things add up to a number. Now, my gut says that number is probably going to be pretty high. Um, I don't know if she's going to be 20 years high, but it's going to be, you know, more than 10 years high in my, in my opinion. So what they're trying to do now is figure out how they're going to minimize her conduct from what she was convicted on and strip away as much of this not guilty conduct as they can to minimize that potential score. So the judge, um, has a recommendation that's lower than higher. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get to this. How does her baby get involved in this and, and all of these life choices that she made? I'm going to tell you, I don't think the judge is going to take any of that stuff very kindly. So when we talk about these four guilty counts, what is it? 20 years max each, or what does it what does it look like as far as maximums go? Yeah, technically, they're the the, the statutory maximum is 20 years each on these counts, but the way the guidelines works is that conduct that is in the same course of a criminal enterprise are grouped together. So it's not like it's going to be. It's really just a, a statutory max of 20. She's going to be sentenced on every count, but they're going to group those sentences together as one amount of time. It's not like she's going to do 20 years plus 20 years plus 20 years plus 20 years. And as far as when this sentencing is going to take place, it's probably going to be six months from now, right? I mean, that's what we're looking at with Maxwell. Yeah. Here's the deal. In California, the sentencing can't be uh, 
what is it, less than 20 days from the date of the conviction. But let's be real. In a case where you've got 13 weeks worth of testimony, there's no way that they're going to get this thing done in 20 days. Um, I'd be shocked if they were in front of the judge within, you know, three months. I think you're probably right. Six months is probably more realistic by the time they get the sentencing guidelines and the probation does their pre -sensing interview. Report. pre sentencing report. Because then all the objections happen. And then all of the mitigation occurs. So all of the potential character witnesses and all of the people that are going to come forward and say all the good things that Elizabeth Holmes has done in her life, it's going to take a while to choreograph all this. And the victims can come make statements of things that may have been inadmissible mm -hmm. at trial, but can be relevant evidence as mm -hmm. part of the sentencing hearing. So it's basically like another mini trial. And for a case that took this long, it wouldn't surprise me if the sentencing took a day or more. I mean, we've had sentencing mm -hmm. hearings that have lasted more than a day where you come and all these people either write letters or testify in person, probably with the outbreaks happening again with COVID, a lot of this will be done by Zoom or by letters. But this is a big, big to-do that's about to happen now, basically a mini trial when we talk about sentencing, mm -hmm. especially with, you know, if the government is going to try to, it's going to be hard to split apart, you know, what they're going to add as a bad act and what they're going to be able to take <laughs> out because of the guilty, not guilty, and the undecided verdicts here. Um, in my opinion, but we'll keep following that. I'm sure a lot of people are going to have right. questions about sentencing. And before we even get to sentencing, I'm sure that the defense team uh, next day or so is going to be working on their post-conviction motions, a motion for a motion to have her not guilty, notwithstanding the verdict, because they're going to argue that these verdicts are inconsistent. It doesn't make sense for her to be guilty of a parallel count and not guilty of the of a similar course of conduct. So we've got a lot right. of motion practice between now and sentencing. So do you think she's going to stay out on bond uh, pending sentencing? And pending yeah, appeal? I think that she's probably going to be out on bond pending appeal. That's very normal in federal courts, especially for fraud counts. They're not violent crimes, so there's really no threat to the community. She's not allowed to, you know, to, to engage in any investments because of her other, uh, you know, uh, dealings with the uh, the Securities Exchange Commission. So I don't think they're going to judge going to take her into custody at this point. Yeah, I think so too. That's everything that I've seen in kind of similar cases that she'd be allowed to stay out pending this appeal, mm -hmm. pending sentencing, things like that. Um, and she could potentially, so we've talked a little bit about uh, Galen Maxwell in that case and how she's not going to go to a cupcake, cupcake camp or anything like that. Some of these minimum security prisons um, for celebrities and other wealthy white collar criminals. Elizabeth Holmes, on the other hand, may qualify for one of these very light mm -hmm. camps, and that's probably where she'll end up, yeah. right? Because of the amount of time that she's looking at, she probably won't be in a camp because that's a term of art, but she's going to be in a low, um, you know, low facility. Uh, it'll be club-fed. There will be no bars and cells. It'll be more of a dormitory-style you know, setup. I mean, think about Martha Stewart when she went to prison. It's kind of the same type of, of, of location. Yeah, she's not going to be doing any kind of hard time. Uh, there won't be any bars. There's not going to. It's not going to be like Sing Sing or anything like that. Right. Very different than Galen Maxwell and the the charges that she was convicted of. Um, okay. Now let's get to the three undecided, um, hung jury, deadlocked uh, verdicts. What's going to happen here? Who has decisions yeah. to make? Um, what What do we think is going to happen? Well, when you say who's got decision to make, you mean between the prosecution and the defense? Right. All right. The prosecution's first decision is going to be, are they going to go forward and try her on the three counts that are hung? Um, I don't think they're going to. I think they're just going to abandon them. They've got four counts. They've got a conspiracy count. They've got 
three substantive counts, they can accomplish the task that they need without going forward on the three. I think they're just going to go ahead and dismiss those. Um, so, go ahead. So I was going to say, when they've got her uh, guilty of wire fraud for $100 million, who really cares about another 10, right? Right. And the truth is, on the sentencing guidelines, she's already maxed out dollar-wise. So adding fuel to the fire doesn't make the sentence any worse. But when people wonder why all these charges and why prosecutors stack up charges like this, this is why. Give the jury something to throw away. Mm -hmm. The jury could throw away some not guilties, have some deadlock votes in a hung jury, but they still get their conviction. They still get what they were after and making her pay for her crime. Absolutely. Um, the defense on the other side, their big issues right now are going to be their motion for a new trial, uh, their motion for a judgment notwithstanding the verdict. Uh, they're going to say that these are inconsistent verdicts and they just can't stand. So they're going to be filing some pretty good motions, asking the judge to throw all this out and start all over again. So we've had some questions about this. I know people have talked about this. Um, when you have a verdict like this, how does, and we've never had one exactly like this, but I know how it goes, but how, how does the judge do the polling of the jury in a situation like this? What the judge is going to do, presuming that they asked that the defense asks that the jury be polled. This is the verdict that they have individually rendered for each and every count. So just pulling the jury in this case probably took an hour. Right. But, but they only ask that in the count that they came to a verdict, they do not ask a Correct. jury, was this your verdict in the hung jury or deadlock? You don't get to find out which jury said guilty, which juror said right. not guilty on the undecided votes. They just stick to the ones where there was a verdict because mm -hmm. when you have a hung jury, the jury does not get polled and you don't get to know right. these five people went this way. These two went this way. These, you don't get to do right. That. And if I were the defense, I would only ask the jury to be polled on the guilty counts. That way there's no question that the not guilty counts are in fact not guilty. You don't take any chances there. Yeah, no, you just take not. that win and you move on with it. But the prosecution can ask for them to be polled as right. well. So, so yeah, on a not guilty count. But, but it's, again, only where they reached a verdict are they polled. You don't get to find out that information. Um, uh, which we always want to know. And we hear from bailiffs who said, oh, it sounded like they were talking like <laughs> yeah. this a couple of years ago. We had a hung jury. It was miserable. Um, just sitting there, all that work. But again, this is something that can happen. Having a hung jury and having some not guilties on this verdict sheet, I think does make um, more likely the prosecutors abandon those charges because there was obviously reasonable doubt. We ended up getting a sweetheart deal after our hung jury trial. Mm -hmm. Um, because you convince the prosecutor that there's not beyond a reasonable doubt here, justice is not served by a conviction potentially, and they have their guilty counts to go after. Right. The difference though, between our hung jury and this one is ours was hung across the board. We didn't have any guilties or not guilties. They couldn't come to decision. So as a defendant, you've got leverage. This where the jury has come to a break of guilt on four counts. I mean, the prosecution should give a crap less. They've got their piece of, uh, you know, they've, they've won their piece of the pie at this point. They've got their pound of flesh. Exactly. All right. So we are going to take a second and get into some questions from the comments. So if you have any, let us know. We've kind of talked through um, the verdict, the sentencing, where we think she's going to end up. Um, and, you know, we'll continue to talk through it. A lot's going to happen. We'll have more videos. Pete will continue to do breakdowns as we get things going in the sentencing phase. 
maybe we'll do a live after she gets uh, sentenced so we can get some more um, questions answered. But now's the time to interact. So get in the comments and let us know what you all are wondering about. First one, Pablo Corsi. Does 20 years mean 20 years or can she get out early? Great question. Uh, 20 years is the statutory maximum. There is no guarantee that you will actually be sentenced to 20 years. My gut says it'll be probably be less than that. Uh, could it be 20 years? Absolutely. If the judge wants to give her the, the statutory max, he can. But in federal court, traditionally, you will serve approximately 85% of your sentence. Normally, also, the last year of your prison sentence is served in a halfway house to kind of get you back into society. So think of it this way. If she does get 20 years, she probably only serves 16 of it. Of that 16, the last year will actually be in a halfway house, not even inside of a technical you know, prison. And again, fed, you know, club fed in the low or minimum security facilities. I mean, it's still prison, but it's not like bars and, you know, it doesn't look like something out of Shawshank Redemption. It is more of like a, a college dormitory setting. Uh, there is, you know, leisure activities. Uh, there will come a point in time, not right now, but if she's convicted, she may even have to be furloughed so she can actually go home for the week for a white-collar defendant. Uh, Miss Sparkles is asking, how can she be guilty against investors and not patients? Well, ain't that some, you know, the question of the day. Uh, I don't know how the jury came to this conclusion. Obviously, the jury felt uh, very compelled by the loss of money of the investors. Uh, I think that the jury, you know, to give Elizabeth Holmes the benefit of the doubt was she did not intend to actually harm any individual patients. That's what they must have concluded during their deliberations because there's no other way that they could come to these conclusions if it was anything other than this. Well, what do you think about like those recordings? They heard her promising things that were blatantly <laughs> false to these investors. Maybe they're thinking on the TV advertisements or the magazines, the commercials. She's not necessarily lying. She's just saying it's innovative. It can test your blood. It did test their blood. Maybe they didn't feel like she was actually lying to these patients and conspiring mm -hmm. to defraud the patients, but she did, in fact, do that to the right. investors. Maybe and that's kind of where they hung their hat. Sure. And they also may have come to the conclusion that there were so many other people responsible for the lab, and the lab was not running you know, very, very well. So they may have said, look, she just didn't have the basis of knowledge to be able to intentionally defraud a patient. And again, that's a guess because we don't know what the jury's thinking. Ashes to ashes, can they retry her on the hung jury verdicts um, to get another guilty, potentially more jail time? Can the prosecutor do that if they want to? Yes, they can do it. Uh, the next part of that question is, could they potentially get more jail time? Probably not. At this point, based on what she's already been convicted of, there's really not much more that would affect her sentencing guidelines. So an additional count here or there really wouldn't make a substantial difference. And the reason we say that is because when it comes to the investor dollars, she's already maxed out on, on the money scale. Um, and when it comes to the number of victims, she's already maxed out on, on that scale. So there's really not much more that these three counts gets the government. Matthew Basketball wants to know, can you comment? How do you think she did overall in the trial? Truth be told, anytime you go up against the United States government and you win something, you know, from a defense for perspective, I mean, it's, it's a big win. Remember, you're talking about the United States government that has the resources of 
the Federal Reserve that has hundreds of case agents and hundreds of analysts. And if they need an expert, they just go hire whoever they need. There's no budget to the United States prosecution. So from a defense standpoint, even for a very wealthy defendant with a, you know, with a great law firm that's got a lot of resources, you know, any win is, a, you know, is, is an opportunity to, to really be proud of yourself. How do you think this will affect the Balwani trial? Right now, Mr. Balwani is got some pucker factor going on because he recognizes that there is a very good chance Elizabeth Holmes testifies against him for the possibility of a reduction in her sentence. Uh, so I'm guessing there's probably going to be some quiet discussions. But wouldn't she only do that after all the appellate process is over? Because she's not going to come and admit that she was part of a conspiracy in order to convict him or else that ruins some of her chances at appeal or a new trial. I think if she makes a decision that she's going to cooperate, she's going to <clears throat> forego her appeal. So the right. only way this makes sense for her is if her defense team sits down with the prosecutors and they come up to an agreement time-wise or an agreement to something she can, you know, that she can stomach uh, as a sentence, doesn't do the appeal, she has finality, and then they're going after Balwani, at which point, you know, it's not good for him. Yeah, I mean, think about the fact that if she just got five years after all this mm -hmm. and everything that happened. If she gets five years, testifies against him, she's out relatively young, can write a book, right? I mean, something like that's a very real possibility, which people were worried about on our channel. When I read these comments on some of your videos, that's what people are worried about is kind of like the slap on the wrist, something that's not going to affect her life. That's not going to teach her a lesson. That's not going to teach a lesson to mm -hmm. giant tech out there with something minor like that. And I think her testifying against Balwani um, uh, could really do that. Right. VS has yeah. a question. Four times 20 equals 80. She'll be celebrating her 117th birthday at home among family members. <laughs> Just explain why that's not true. That does yeah. not happen. A lot of people see maxes and they think everyone's going to get the maximum sentence. That's just not how it happens. Right. And Especially what it is, without a criminal history. Yeah. What this is, is in the U.S., what happens is there are two types of cases. There are counts that are grouped together because they have the same course of conduct. And then there are counts that are not grouped because they're separate and distinct crimes. In this case, all of her sentence will be grouped and she will be sentenced concurrently, meaning if she gets 20 years, it'll be 20 years times four, but she'll only serve one 20-year period because all of those sentences are grouped as one you know, time of incarceration. Yeah, guys, I'm just telling you right now, she's not going to get 80 years. I'd be surprised if she actually got the full 20. How long could the appeals process take before she serves time? So let's kind of break it down to two questions. How long is the sentencing process going to take? We said kind of six, six months. Once she gets sentenced, mm -hmm. can she still stay out pending appeal? What do you have to do as a defense lawyer to get that to happen? Because we've been successful in that mm -hmm. a lot of times. And then how long can the appellate process take? All right. So part one of that discussion is she can apply for something called a supersedious bond, which means that her defense team would ask the judge to allow her to remain out of custody until the appeal is done. And normally the basis for that is the, the court would have to make a decision that there is a good chance that she could be successful in her appeal. And that by the time the appeal would be done, a lot of the time that she would serve marriage of justice to keep her in custody until the appeal happens. It is more likely to happen on a fraud count than it does in, for example, in your Maxwell case in a, like a, a, a a violent crime type of scenario. Now, how long does the appeal take? In today's times, it could take a year plus. There's no yeah, doubt I mean, it, it could, could take, take a couple of years. Ever. Yeah, it could take forever. 
And then the fact that she's pregnant and health issues and life issues, stuff like that can also be considered Mm -hmm. when being out pending appeal. Right. The fact that she has a baby and she is a, you know, a young mother is going to play a role in the decision-making. I think the judge, uh, this judge has been a federal judge for a while. So he can see that if he gets the inkling that they used a child in order to avoid prison, that's going to not bode well for her because he can definitely use it against her too. Does the judge have the freedom to stack? Even though we don't think he's going to, does the judge have the freedom to stack it to 80 years? No. Uh, the way the sentencing guidelines works is they're either stacked or they're grouped, and that's just the way the court is going to be bound to make the sentencing calculation. The good thing about federal court is you can't go rogue. There is a an advisory guideline that is presumed to be a fair sentence. The courts normally stick to it because they know if they go outside of it, then they have to really uh, prove to an appellate court why they went outside of the advisory guidelines. Does Balwani have any possibility of a light plea deal or has he lost, lost all leverage at this point? I think you froze. Yeah, I think he's lost his leverage at this point. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah, I think Benjamin he has Reynolds. lost his leverage. That is... Let's be real. Five years is a long time. We always talk about that, right? We always talk about when we talk about these plea deals <laughs> or how people get pushed into these plea deals. One day is too long. Right. Um, you know what's funny about that? You know what's funny about that? Um, it depends on who you are. Yes. For Elizabeth Holmes, someone who is not used to the concept of incarceration, five years is a long time. But we've had Kate, you know, clients that were career criminals. Well, they could stand on their head for five years and they'll, you know, they'll give you a hug if you get a five-year sentence. All right, Juan Pablo again. What is the government incentive in these cases, given that they do have quote unlimited resources, punished because they robber rich friends. I'm not sure what he's asking. I, yeah, I know what he's getting at. The incentive of the government to prosecute these types of cases is to send a message. And the message is, do not defraud investors. Do not you know, do things that, are, that you cannot back up because we will prosecute you and you will go to prison. That is the purpose for prosecuting these types of cases. And she actually, so we've had some Medicare fraud cases mm-hmm. where you're actually defrauding the government. So it's obvious why they care about that. Here, she actually did use government entities in her scheme to defraud, saying she had government contracts. So I do think that's part of this is that she was using the government to defraud and to get more money from these investors. Yeah, and I think the government is sending a message to Silicon Valley. This is, this is an interesting um, comment, but you can screw over patients. You know what? Isn't that true? Like she's convicted for stealing money from these people, but for using this thing that is not anywhere near what she said it was and advertised it to be, yet not guilty of those counts. And in the future, it's basically telling people in Silicon Valley that you can do this to the common folk that use your products or take your pills. It's okay if you do this. You're not going to get convicted and go to federal prison just as long as you don't lie to the people giving you money. As long as everybody giving you money is in agreement that just make something people will buy. Whether or not it works doesn't matter, but just make something people will buy and you're not going to live in fear of getting yeah. federally prosecuted and convicted. That's a the, horrible message to send. The real, but that is a very real point because at the end of the day, rich and powerful people and the government do not mess with. They don't care if you screw around with people that have no ability to affect change. You know, little people get screwed all the time and the government doesn't care. 
Yeah, that pisses me off. You know, at first I wasn't really thinking about it like that, but that's a good point by Pungai Fungi that, you know, I was thinking maybe the jury thought she didn't lie to the, to the, to the people, to the patients, like she lied to the investors, but you know what? That's BS. That's who the government should be protecting is all the right. citizens that were using this machine thinking that it was, you know, some great, uh, new invention that was going to make life so much easier. Yeah. That's really horrible. Cause yeah. that's not because of the message it sends to future medical salespeople <laughs> who we all know can, can have issues. Sure. Think about that poor witness who was, was teetering on whether or not she should abort her fetus because she thought that there was a 90% chance that child was going to have some sort of birth defect based on a, a faulty, uh, you know, test result, you know, thank God she didn't do it. But what, what's more Correct. important, the life of her child or somebody's money who's got more money than they can ever spend anyway. All right. Yeah. And some people are saying, um, uh, yeah, the she didn't lie to the patients like she did to the investors. We already said that a lot of people are asking questions about as a defense lawyer, do we think they did a good job getting her out of seven of the 11 counts? We already answered that question. Yes, anytime you can get some not guilty verdicts, I think you did a good job. She could still get the sentence that she would have gotten if they were all guilty um, because of kind of how they stack up. But I'm just trying yes. to go through them quick. Some people are asking the same question mm -hmm. multiple times. I want to make sure you know that your question has been answered. If you could take a, a second um, while I'm recapping some of the questions we've already answered and looking for new questions, hit like on the video if you haven't already. Um, it's been fun. We're going to continue to do it. We've got a few more minutes left to take more questions. It's past Pete's bedtime for anybody that knows him. He <laughs> likes to go to bed early. So he's up here um, answering questions. So make sure you get the questions you have, but make sure you like the video because it's fun to do these lives and more people jump on the more likes that it has. So go ahead and hit the like button if you guys have a second here. Um, what if Balwani produces new evidence against her? That's not going to happen. He would have done it during her trial was the best deal he ever got offered. And he knew it. And his lawyers would have told him is if you're going to testify against her, do it during her trial, then maybe they'll help you out. But I think as much as they're against each other, it's one of those, uh, what's the old mafia saying? No one talks. Everyone, everybody walks. walks. Or whatever. Yep. That's exactly so what talk it is. about that. Don't you think that's kind of, it was a united front, even though it didn't look like united front, they're going to point the finger at each other in hopes it's not guilty for both of them. Right. And, and the reality is, and we talk about those old uh, Rico trials back in New York in the 1980s where the mobsters were just, they'd line them all up and they'd all just keep their mouth shut. Nobody would testify. And they walked a lot of time. Now what they've done is they started breaking those down. So they tried uh, you know, Elizabeth Holmes separate from Balwani. Uh, now that Elizabeth Holmes has, has been convicted, you know, Balwani's got a much higher chance of either making his own deal or, or being convicted also. So, you know, you divide and conquer from the prosecution's perspective. You've frozen a couple times, but, and this guy has the best comment on it, okay? From Scuba Steve, Pete must have bought his cable modem from Theranos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. It's first live. We're trying to figure out the right spot in his house, okay? It's first one he's doing from his house. Um do you think the government intentionally overcharged just to pile on? Absolutely. We've seen that a lot lately, I feel like. Absolutely. And the, the guidance to the prosecutors from the Department of Justice is you're supposed to charge every count that evidence exists on. So you're supposed to throw the book at every defendant. And whatever sticks, sticks. Will she have to pay the investors back? <laughs> That's a great question. There is going to be an order for restitution without a doubt. And that restitution is going to be ginormous. Now, will she ever really pay it back? Probably not because she just doesn't have the resources to do it. But we've had cases where people have multiple millions of dollars of restitution and they pay like $5 a month or something ridiculous towards it for the rest of their life.
Sylvia, smash the like button. Thank you, Sylvia. Thanks for covering the trial, Pete. Happy to do it, Lucia. Uh, Let's see here. Will she be able to work in with the medical industry in the future? No, my gut says at this point she'll be banned from ever working in, you know, in any investment or medical type of job. I, I think she's done. And by the way, would you hire her? Yeah, like <laughs> I don't think any medical company is going to touch her with a 10-foot pole. Um, is it reasonable to say that the prosecution not doing the best possible to cause a verdict like that? Meaning, do you think the prosecution did not do a good job? A lot of the reports I read said they were less than impressed with how the prosecutors handled this. It was very confusing kind of how they were questioning witnesses and kind of coming across at trial. Do you think the prosecutor dropped the ball or do you think they did a good enough job to get the, the convictions they got? I mean, they got the convictions they got so from their perspective. They're happy. Listen, a trial is a living, breathing organism. You never know what's going to happen. And from a prosecutor's perspective, the key is to put up as much evidence as you can, as many witnesses as you feel will do good in front of a jury and it's the defense's job to poke holes in those witnesses, which it looks like from a perspective of the process, the process worked. Some counts guilty, some counts not guilty. Some counts we can't come to a decision on based on the evidence. David Mason asks, why do the board of directors get off their oversight for the CEO? They should have some responsibility. Uh, Great question because the board of directors in this particular company are very, very powerful people with very, very deep seated, government uh, contact like the former secretary of state of the united states those guys they were actually they're testifying against her right that's right those guys aren't getting indicted and they're happy to be there to tell everybody you know why it was on her and not them kiwi pete thanks for the coverage been following homes rise and fall from the beginning cheers from new zealand very cool uh let's see here andy getty how would the trial be different if a patient happened to have died because of incorrect test results That's a great question. I think that that evidence would have come into play. um, And I think that the jury, you know, obviously would have considered that and it may have had an effect. Obviously, the fact that this woman, you know, agonized over the, you know, potentially aborting her child wasn't enough in California. And realize California is a very liberal um, jurisdiction. From an American standpoint, I mean, you've got the best shot. This trial were here in the 11th Circuit in Florida. I promise you, it'd be a very different ball game. We'd be looking at 11 counts of guilty, and it would have happened in like 45 minutes. Hey, KB, your channel had the first take on the verdict. Thanks for your opinions. Much appreciated. Try to get on as quick as we saw it and as quick as we could get it all put together. It's not always easy. Uh, let's see. Oh, Pete just dropped off. I'm sure he'll be back on. And when he is, we will get him back on the stream. Let's see. Can she be prosecuted civilly by the families that defrauded her or that she defrauded? The answer is yes, she can. It's already happened. The civil trials, for the most part, are done at this point because all the investors already did the derivative suits and all the stuff that they could have done. That's already been done. Did Balwani have any public appearances making same or similar claims, or would it just be her word? You know, like, that's they a, have recordings of him making pitches. Do you know? That's a good question. I don't know. I haven't heard that he specifically uh, actually went out there and did a sales pitch himself. But we've got you know nine hundred thousand text messages between the two of them and countless emails. So I'm sure there's somewhere that 
you know, that he must have said something to someone to get him to be in a position where he got indicted also. Mike Moore, as a venture capital startup lawyer, this was an egregious case, but it'll be very interesting to see how this affects or doesn't the puffing in the capital raising process. I do think it'll have some, mm -hmm. some effect there for sure. Yep. Uh, insurance may be paying legal fees. Most likely not. This is no. not the type of case insurance covers uh, for legal fees. Intentional acts, criminal acts, they do not cover for the most part. Uh, let's see here. Do you know this? Uh, Jenny asked, what is her financial future overall? Is she destined or destitute? Is she destined to be destitute? I think she's destitute now. I think if you look at her, her net worth at one point was $9 billion because of the value of Theranos. Uh, she doesn't actually have any money. The guy that she is, her partner, whatever, the, her baby's father, they're a wealthy family. So I'm guessing that they have funded the majority of this uh, between her and her parents maybe. But beyond that, I, I don't think she has you know, any money, you know, to say. Gustav said he saw a video of Balwani whoop, uh, selling it. So I okay. guess we are going to see some from him as well. All right, let's see what else we got. Yeah, people saying she has a very rich boyfriend. She's not suffering. Thanks for explaining this to layman. So you think her boyfriend paid the legal fees? I think so. And I'll tell you, um, their family is very well to do. Elizabeth Holmes family has got some cash too. They're not, you know, they're not, you know, you know, super hundred million dollar rich, but they've got plenty of money. So I think between the, the two families, they, they came together and got the legal fees paid. There is no other option to pay these types of lawyers for this type of work. Cowboys customs asked for a quick recap, just tuned in. We will do it, but only if you go <laughs> hit the like button Give us a like on the video so more people can jump in now and we can, if I can get my, there we go. Um, so yeah, go ahead, hit the like button and we'll give a quick recap for those of you who joined in late. Um, Elizabeth Holmes was found guilty on four counts and yep. not guilty on four counts and a hung jury or deadlock jury on three counts. Is that the right recap? I think he froze again. Pete's frozen a couple times. That's kind of just where we're at, right? We're taking it, we're running with it. Um, so four guilty, four not guilty, three hung jury deadlocked. The guilty charges, uh, as far as the conspiracy to commit fraud, were against the investors, not guilty for conspiracy to commit fraud against the patients, not guilty on the wire fraud um, dealing with the patient blood samples, guilty on a bunch of wire frauds dealing with the investors. So that's basically where we're at. Each of those four carry with them a 20-year maximum sentence, but she's not likely to get 80 years. What do you think, Pete? You haven't really answered this yet. What do you think if you had to just guess? What do you think her sentence is going to be? And you can give us a range. My guess is going to be uh, between 10 and 15 years when it's all said and done. Meaning she'll serve somewhere between 8 and 12. All right, let's see here. All right, talk about this a little bit. This is interesting. Whoops. Do you think she hid some of the money she received from investors? I think she spent a lot of money she received from investors. I mean, she and Balwani bought a multi-million dollar house. She was using the company's private plane access for everything. 
uh, they, the company paid for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and everything in between. So I think that she lived very well for a long time on that investor's money. I don't actually think that she you know, put her hands in the cookie jar and took some money and put it aside because you, the, money, the, the money trail doesn't lie, and you could find that. If she had transferred funds, you'd be able to trace that money. And the government can freeze assets, and it's unlikely that she used that, especially in something like this. They're bleeding money from the most part in the, yeah. in the early stages of this as well. Uh, somebody asked you to guess um, what the legal fees were in the case Ooh. for the defense team. <sighs> That's a great question. I would be it had shocked. to be a million bucks. Absolutely, had to be a million. At bucks. least, at yeah, least, it had to. I mean, for just a, thirteen. It, it a four, yeah, four fourteen months? weeks of trial alone. Yeah, it had to be a million bucks. They had to shut everything down to do this. Basically, mm -hmm. I mean, they, I, I, yeah, it had to be seven figures. Uh, let's see here. She used all the money. People saying eight to 12 years seems like a short time compared to other cases. Yep. Um, can the judge issue a sentence with no chance of parole? We don't have parole in the U S so that doesn't matter. Uh, you will statistically serve 85% of your sentence, but that's it. There's no, there's no really good behavior and all that, uh, and parole boards that doesn't exist anymore. Will she get out earlier on compassionate release with COVID if she has COVID or with the kid or anything like that? Probably not. All right. We're going to give it about five more minutes. Um, you go ahead. You got to take a break real quick. Yeah, if you don't mind. Take a break real quick. Pete's going to take a break, and I'll answer some questions for about five minutes. Pete will come back and answer all the questions you have for him um, for five minutes, uh, and we'll just go from there. I'll take him off the stream if I'm cool enough to do that. Remove from stream. Cool. All right. So let's see. What are the three or four charges the government can retry? They're all wire frauds for different amount of money. It's, it's kind of hard to explain why the jury couldn't come to a verdict on those, but could come to a verdict on the other ones. Very weird, hard to get into the mind of the jury, and you can't ask them in federal court. So we may never know unless they come out and do interviews. Can Elizabeth Holm be called to testify in Balwani's trial? She can still technically plead the fifth at this point, especially while she's got um, some appeals that could potentially be coming and some rights to appeal. Uh, so she can't be forced to testify. She can be called. Um, she uh, can refuse to testify, though. So it's not like a civil case where you, if you're a party, you can be forced to get up there and testify. She still has rights. It could prevent her from testifying. But if she becomes a witness as part of her plea negotiations, then obviously she can be called to testify at his trial. Let's see what else we got. clarify federal versus state for sentences because there is state parole boards, right? He said the United States, I think he meant federal court, um, no parole in federal court. Uh, let's see. Any other white collar crimes on the docket at lawyer, you know, I will miss the coverage of this one. You guys let us know, right? Cause we see cases that pop up all the time. We never know which ones are going to hit and that, you know, the audience is going to like, um, because that's what we try to do, right? We don't need to 
talk about any case specifically that we necessarily find interesting. We want to know what everybody else finds interesting and we'll add what we can to it because that's really what we want to do. And that's why we started the channel um, to make things easier to understand for people that don't understand the legal process, make sure people understand their rights. A lot of people in the world know lawyers, but there are tons of people who don't. It's not necessarily fair because lawyers can give you a lot of guidance, answer a lot of questions. So we wanted to be lawyers that you know and that people knew to be able to come on, ask questions, talk about a case with, because it's fun to you know sit around and shoot the crap with uh, people who know what they're talking about, whatever you're watching. If you're watching this case on TV, you have a lawyer that's sitting on the couch that you can ask questions. Is that real? Does this really happen? What's going to happen next? So that's kind of why we started the channel. And then it kind of evolved into also breaking down cases. Like I said, like we're sitting on the couch with you talking about the case that you're watching and following. All right, Pete is back. So we've got about five more minutes. We're going to answer questions. So if you have any, let us know. There was a question about state versus federal parole boards. Some states do still have parole boards, but you said in the United States you were talking federal court. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yes. Federal court does not have, federal system because does not that, have parole. that truck driver that got his sentence from 110 years down to 10 years actually could get parole after four years, I believe. Just crazy. All right. Let's see. Eighty-five percent correct. When is sentencing? We don't know yet, but we think it's going to be months from now. Yeah, I'm sure you'll do the Balwani trial, right? Yeah, for sure. Presuming yeah, we'll there do is the one. Balwani trial for sure. Yeah, <laughs> presuming there is one, uh, we'll do that for sure. Thanks, guys. Been following all the episodes. Appreciate that. Why didn't they have more patients testify? You know, that's a good question. Um, I think it's easiest to have the investors testify. Uh, they're also, for the most part, pretty sophisticated people, so they come off easily. They had a few patients testify. I just don't know if they could identify anybody that had any real damages. You know, if, so if you got a blood test result back that said your, your blood pressure was high and you went to your doctor and they're like, no, your blood pressure's fine, go home. You know, there's really not much there to hang your hat on. That's why I think they kind of cherry-picked a couple of people. For example, the one nurse that, you know, was uh, talking about potentially having the miscarriage, you know, and her physicians, which were trying to guide her in the process. I think that's why they picked that particular person, because she was empathetic. How much time do you think she will get? Do you agree with Pete on the 10 to 15? I assume that's to me. Um, I would have said 10. That's kind of where I feel like it's going to be. In that range, um, I'd be surprised if she got 15 or upwards near 20 based on no criminal history and the fact that it was not guilty for the patients. So we're talking about money, which is bad, obviously, right. and you want to send a message, but I'm thinking 10 years is kind of my guess. So it's and remember, fine. in California, they had a couple of uh, Ninth Circuit decisions that pretty much say, you know, th this type of fraud just doesn't score very, shouldn't score very high compared to, you know, sex trafficking or things like that. And it's very interesting you say that because... I did a video on a semi-truck driver who had a negligent accident where four people ended up dying. He got convicted of <clears throat> multiple charges, got 110 years in prison. The world just went crazy about it. It blew up all over social media. And the governor of that state commuted a sentence before he even had the uh, motion for reconsideration that the sentence was too harsh before any appeals commuted it down to 10 years for a uh, possibility of parole after four years because everybody was like, that is so unfair. So if you're putting her away for 80 years, the right. same uproar would happen, right? I mean, that's just, we can't have a society where you smoke weed and you go to, go to prison for 20 years, or you steal money and you go to prison for the rest of your life. 
I don't think. You know, it depends. If it's Bernie Madoff and the way that he did it, then maybe yes. But the way that she did it, I don't personally feel comfortable with 80 years with her going to prison. If she goes 20 years, it is what it is. Like, I don't think that's crazy if she goes to prison for 20 years. But going to prison for 80 years for the rest of her life, to me, seems harsh. Right. And Chris Wingler said lawyers get a bad rap. Maybe that's why. Maybe people think I'm too much of a softie. Why was Balwani not called to testify against Holm? Well, if the only way he could testify is if he waived his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. And the only way that happens is if he made a deal with the government. Will this set a precedent in future Silicon Valley cases? I think that you will see at least the consideration of this case for years to come. I think especially... The um, you know the startups they're going to think before they talk, especially in a day where everything is video recorded. So they know that whatever they say is going to be Exhibit Three at their trial. Atlas asked, uh, "Did federal prison sentencing ever include parole?" Yes, it did. Uh, I don't believe there's been parole in the federal system since like after 1986. I think 86 is the year that they stopped it. Can she write a bro book while in prison and keep the money or will it go to a uh, restitution? Yes, she can write a book. No, she cannot profit from it. What will probably happen is she'll write a book and you know the proceeds will be put in some corporate uh, name for the benefit of the child or for the benefit of somebody. And yes, the government can come looking at those proceeds for restitution. What do you think her chances are on appeal? That's an interesting question. Um, the appellate courts in this country are very skewed. So like I said, the, uh, the 11th Circuit where we are here in Florida is probably one of the toughest jurisdictions of the country. I would tell you she's got no chance at winning in the 11th Circuit. But in the 9th Circuit in California, there is a very good chance she has you know some sort of victory that may mean a new trial, a reduction in her sentence. There's all kinds of possibilities because this stuff happens there. Will you be covering the Surfside Collapse trial? We will. I don't think that's going to go to trial, though, but we'll be following yeah. that case for sure. Fantastic work, gents, including Pete's earlier trial updates. Very interesting case. Your updates made it much easier to follow. Thank you. People asking me to please answer questions that I've already answered. We're a little behind on the chat. We're getting through it here. Um, oh, good question by Rodney here. Rodney's around a lot. So uh, what's the difference if a car salesman lies to sell a crappy car and Holmes lying about a machine that doesn't work? Great question. The difference is the, uh, the, the car salesman uh, does not affect rich and powerful people. Holmes did. <laughs> Sylvia, happy New Year's, guys. Congrats on 25K and great job. You're doing your coverage of these real-time cases in the legal system. Thank you so Thank much. You, Meetings will be preceded by an EULA-type disclaimer. So we have a, like a FDUPTA, we've had some FDUPTA cases, Fair Trade Deceptive uh, mm -hmm. Practices Act, and it's a really interesting thing how they protect people, but it's, it's pretty complicated. But remember, all this is venture capital stuff anyway, so every investor in this company is accredited, which means they have more than a million dollars to invest and that they have some sort of knowledge beyond the average person. So, you know, all these people are sophisticated. They know the risks associated in these types of, of investments. So this is interesting and really sad. Uh, sports bad calls. I hope you cover and support your fellow lawyer, Dan Markell, who was shot to death um, in his driveway because his wife wanted to move from Tallahassee with his two boys, Miami. So uh, the reason I probably am not going to cover this case is Dan Markell was one of my professors in law school at Florida State College of Law. Probably not going to cover that. Um, I will be following it, but... <laughs> 
we'll see if if something changes in the future. Incredibly sad case, horrible case. Um, so I will be following it, but I don't think I'm going to make any videos on it. Um, car salesman can lie to you. Wendy Wilson, thank you. Love you guys. Why so long till sentencing? Well, from your perspective, it's long, but understand what has to happen. So the defense has to have the chance to do, you know, whatever post-trial motions. Then uh, in federal court, they're the defendant is obligated to meet with probation in order to do something called a pre-sentence report. Once the probation officer produces the pre-sentence report, then he has to disclose it to the government and to the defense, at which point both sides have the right to, 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 to argue about how the guidelines have been applied or you know, whether or not you know, certain evidence did in fact uh, come in play during the trial and whether it can be used. So there's a lot of fight that's going to happen in there. So it's just a matter of giving everybody the ample time they need to be able to function. That's why it takes so long. This is interesting. I'm confused why the patients need damages. Isn't the potential for clinical harm the issue? Isn't the potential for clinical harm the issue? The question is whether or not Elizabeth Holmes knew and purposely and intelligently lied to people. Uh, it's easy to prove the lie to the, uh, to the investors. It is a little bit more difficult, obviously, to prove a lie to a specific patient that you've never met, never spoken to, never made a promise to. And in civil cases, because money damages is all you can get, damages are an element of negligence or of a lot of these um, civil cases. So without damages, you do not have a cause of action. It is kind of crazy that even if somebody does something bad to you and it could have hurt you, but it didn't, you don't technically have a claim because there are no damages. Um, great coverage of this case. Greetings from Honduras. Awesome. Care. All right. Would her insurance cover cost of legal, legal cost of a, an appeal? Nope. Kind of explained that earlier. People saying, you know, truck driver should have gotten 40 years. Somebody else saying 110. Cover the Daybell case. Yes, we just did a video on that one today. If you go to our page, lawyer, you know, and check it out. If you haven't subscribed already, Scarlett, go ahead and hit the subscribe and notifications bell. You'll get all the new videos that come out um, because uh, we follow that case. We've done a lot of videos on that case, actually. Mark Means just got disqualified, actually, as Lori Vallow's lawyer. Uh, let's see here. EULA Software's end user license agreement. You guys are the best. Thanks for the expert summary. Thank you. All right, here's a good one. Matthew Basketball, what do you think her attorney is advising her now post-verdict? Well, right now, and I'm sure they already had this conversation uh, sometime between closing arguments and the verdict, and they talked about you know what could potentially happen, the way she should act, the way she should come across, especially in front of the press, uh, to not cause herself any problems. So right now, I think they're just talking to her about, you know, staying conservative, not talking to the media, not doing anything that might incite the public. In other words, now is not a good time to go on vacation to Vegas and stay at the, you know, at a palatial, uh, you know, room. Um, they're probably discussing strategy about what they're going to do for sentencing, what they're going to do for post-trial motions, and, you know, how, how and I'll tell you, they're talking about how expensive the appeal is going to be and how, who's going to pay for that because that's going to be a huge appeal. Just the cost of the transcript is going to be the tens of thousands of dollars, if not more. Awesome live and coverage. Thank you from Australia. Very good coverage. Thank you, Val. Love watching you guys. Thank you, Mona. People saying appeal, appeal, appeal. 
will there be any public statements from Elizabeth's camp? They've actually probably. already made some. Yeah, they made probably. some saying that she's innocent. They're going to appeal. Appeals yeah. are coming. Rodney is like number 31. Thank you guys. Very entertaining. There's 750 people in here. We only have 31 <laughs> likes. Jeez. What do we got to do to get a like around here? Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Rodney. Here. Let's see what else we got. All right. Let's see if we can get a last question here. Jamie, I've been following your videos on the trial since the beginning. You guys do an awesome job. Thanks for explaining things. Love the videos. Thank you. All right, number 297, <laughs> number 304. Now we're getting there. All right, let's go. Let's go. Make sure everybody hit the like. Uh, let's see what else we got. Okay, a little, until she is charged, I think Rachel means sentenced. Will she have any restrictions? Because now she is a convicted felon. Before this, she was presumed innocent. There's a big difference. Absolutely. Is she going to have restrictions? Yes. I'm sure the judge has basically told her, you know, don't leave the country. You know, there are things that she can't do. Um, although her bond at this point has continued, so she's not in custody. Technically, could the judge have taken her to custody right there the minute they got a guilty verdict? Absolutely. Did he do it? No. Um, is that normal for, for these types of cases? Yes. They don't normally take a fraud defendant into custody. But I think the judge at this point did admonish her and tell her about, you know, where she stands today. Right. And that Travel it's restrictions, different. stuff like that. Of course. 333 likes visible. All right, good. Here we go. Cassandra, 335. All right, all right, good, good. The panic was not real. Good. <laughs> Min Win, you guys are good looking. Thank you. We're always suckers for those. Really appreciate the time and effort you guys put into these cases to make it consumable for the non-attorneys in the room. Thank you, Camp. Uh, what else we got? Monitor shows 368. All right, we're getting up there now. We're good. We're good. We're getting up there. Hit the like button. Thank you, Sylvia. Thank you, Beth. Where did you guys attend law school from Bermuda Run? Uh, Villanova here. Very nice. I went to Florida State University College of Law. Yeah, and I went to the University of Toledo, and I also went to Stetson here in Florida. Pete's from Ohio, mm -hmm. went to school, started up there, ended up in Stetson, which is how he ended up working in the Tampa Bay area. So, yeah, he, he kind of hit two of them. Mark Pulowski, you've opened up a can here, Pete. Yeah. Okay. Appeals are a crazy world, guys. Like a crazy world appeals. You have no idea how expensive they are. But yeah, pay for transcripts. What? They don't just Abs give you those after new. the trial? Absolutely and what happens not. to poor defendants? Okay. Here's what happens. In the case of an indigent defendant, the, there is a budget in the court uh, that allows for costs of appeals to be paid for uh, at a reduced rate by the government. Uh, it's, it's called the criminal justice act. If you want to go look that up, but if you're not indigent, you're paying for those transcripts. And last time I took it like 12 bucks a page, it's, it can get astronomical, uh, to order a trial transcript of this magnitude. And yeah, so they, like he said, there are ways you can still get it as an indigent defendant, but everything is harder. Everything is harder getting experts, getting the court to approve what experts you get. You never can get the best, mm -hmm. best expert because the court will only approve X amount of dollars per hour. Same thing with appeals. It's so hard to go through the process as an indigent defendant, which is why the socioeconomic split in our country and the criminal right. defense world is insane. 
Because what's, yeah. what's going to happen in this case, if they're going to appeal it, they're going to get the entire transcript, meaning not only what you heard in front of the jury, but the stuff that's outside of the hearing of the jury, the rulings, everything they're going to transcribe, and they're going to read it with a fine-tooth comb. But when you're indigent, the court says, tell me why you need the transcript you need. Why do you need this transcript and not that transcript? So you're, you're kind of pigeonholed if you don't have you know, resources. Mm -hmm. Got some other people from Ohio here going to Western Law in the fall. Bermuda Run is from Ohio too, Charge and Falls. Brianna, Chagrin I falls. see you commenting a ton about that Colorado accident case. I did a video today on it that's posting tomorrow morning. So make sure you check it out and comment on it because I'd love to hear what you think of that video. And I talk a lot about some of the comments that you're making and how well, I thought the I thought the sense of 110 years was too high, but I don't necessarily agree with what the governor did either. And I don't think you did either. Uh, let's see here. All right. Last one here. This is going to be the last question. From Beaky Buki. Did she make a mistake by taking the stand? I don't think she was successful in manipulating the, the jury like she did for the investors. You know, did she make a mistake before a defendant actually takes a stand? The judge will uh, do a colloquy with that defendant, and the, and the judge will say, you understand that you have a right against self-incrimination. You don't have to testify. You can sit here and do nothing, and I will, uh, I will um, instruct the jury that your silence cannot be used against you. So the fact that she took the stand after that admonishment uh, is surprising. I wouldn't have put her on either. I don't think she added anything to the case. Let's be honest. She's not exactly the most likable person. We're talking about, you know, frauds and lying. So she would have been better off, in my opinion, just keeping her mouth shut and just letting the government prove whatever they were going to prove and, you know, and argue that they got it wrong. Um, we already know that when she took the stand for those couple of days that she got caught in a couple of lies. She, they, they put the, the, the audio recordings on there and she's just wrong and it doesn't look good. And the truth is from a, from a you know, lawyer's perspective, you never want to ask a question you don't know the answer to. You never want to subject your client to uh, examination unless you know they're going to be able to carry the day. I think this was a Hail Mary. They just threw up but, and prayed for the best. I will just say, but I will throw a big, but out there. Okay. <laughs> Throwing a big, but <laughs> okay. So she checks a lot of the boxes for a criminal defendant that we would want to take the stand, right? She, obviously has some convincing ability, right? She was convincing mm -hmm. people to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, she was obviously intelligent. Mm -hmm. uh, they already had a lot of her statements that they were going to use in play that she could now come up and, and at least try to explain. I'm not saying she did a good job of it, but they were already going to hear her voice. They were already going to hear her commit these crimes, which I think is why the jury kept listening to those recordings back over and over again. And then lastly, she did not have one of the biggest things we always look for when we don't want defendants to take the stand is five former felony or prior <laughs> yeah. felony convictions. Yeah. Where they're like, forget this. They've already been convicted this many times. Why are we going to give them a not guilty verdict? We're not going to be the one to put this person back on the street. So she checked a lot of those boxes where you think as a criminal defense lawyer, you think about it's so hard. We go back and forth on these decisions all the time. She did check a lot of boxes yeah. as to why you would want her to, to testify. But I understand where you're coming from as well and where a lot of people think she's so narcissistic and prideful that she was definitely going to, to testify she couldn't help herself. But the reason they put her on, and we all know it is, we all sit there and we think the jury has to hear her voice. They have to hear her try to explain some of this. And that's they have to the hear her say, I didn't do it. Right. That, that's what, what happens in, in a It wasn't me. <laughs> exactly. 
All right, Pete, thanks for staying up late with us. It'll be an early morning tomorrow, but hopefully you guys enjoyed this conversation about the verdict. If you have any more questions, put them in the comments. We will do future videos. Pete will for sure do future videos as we see kind of what happens as motions are filed. If something happens with these three hung jury verdicts and when the sentencing hearing is set, we'll talk about all that. We'll talk about pre-sentence report, things like that. Um, we'll continue to cover this case, but we are also going to be on the lookout for the next case Pete's going to dive into. So make sure you get in our community page on YouTube. Um, make a vote if you uh, subscribe to our channel. Make sure you stick around so you can see what Pete's going to do next. And hit the like button on the video. Let's get this video up to 1,000 <laughs> likes. Um, we're only at like 400 or something now. So let's get it up to 1,000 likes. Thanks for being with us. As always, guys, it was a ton of fun. Pete, thanks for jumping on this late. Thanks, guys. That's all we got, folks.